Chapter Thirteen of The Dogs of Boytown by Walter A. Dyer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen: The Passing of Rags. Camp Bridges was pitched on a Wednesday, and the first week flew by on winged feet. On the second Saturday, an event occurred which the boys had been looking forward to with anticipation. Mister Hartshorn came in his car to spend Sunday at the camp he brought none of his dogs with him which was a source of regret but he was a most welcome visitor none the less the boys feared that the appointments of their camp might not be quite elegant enough for a man like mr hartshorn but he fitted in as though he had been brought up to just that sort of thing and said it was all bully frank stoddard moved out and crowded into the other tent and a special bed was laid for the visitor moses outdid himself in planning his sunday menu mr hartshorn arrived too late to be shown about the lake that day but supper was a jolly meal and a new interest was added to the campfire hour that night mr hartshorn had shown considerable interest in mctavish and rover both of whom he pronounced to be fine dogs and this led to a general discussion of sheep dogs and their kin i wish you'd tell us something about bobtails mr hartshorn said elliot garfield i really don't know a thing about them and i ought to now i've got one please do echoed ernest whipple you promised you'd tell us about the shepherd breed sometime well said mr hartshorn laughing it's pretty near bedtime anyway so if i put you to sleep it won't much matter for my own part though i'd rather listen to another of alfred's stories the night was chilly so he went to his car and got his auto robe wrapped himself up in it lighted a cigar and settled himself comfortably beside the campfire you may have noticed he began that some breeds of dogs seem to possess more individual character than others foxhounds for example seem to me a good deal alike that is because they live and work mostly in packs it is the constant association of a single dog with his master that develops the traits of personality in him no dogs have had this personality more highly developed than the shepherd breeds for they have been the shepherd's personal companions often their only companions for generations they are therefore most interesting dogs to know and to talk about of these shepherd breeds the best known is the collie it is in fact one of the most popular and numerous of all the breeds the modern collie of which mac here is a good example has been developed for beauty as a show dog and a companion rather than a working dog but he is a direct descendant of the old working collie of the scottish highlands which has been a distinct breed and has been used as a shepherd's dog for centuries the old working collie or shepherd dog which is still numerous in scotland is a splendid utility animal of great intelligence and initiative brave as a lion and trained to guard sheep though a straight development without much crossing with other breeds the modern collie is almost a different variety with a narrower head and muzzle better pointed ears and a fuller and finer coat from the fancier's point of view he is a great improvement on the working dog and he certainly is handsomer but in my own humble opinion the fanciers are well-nigh ruining the splendid character of one of the best breeds of dogs ever given to man for one thing they have made the head so narrow and snipey imitating that of the russian wolfhound that they have left insufficient room in the skull for all the brains the old collie used to possess and with this fineness of breeding has come some uncertainty of disposition the modern collie isn't usually given a chance to learn the things his forefathers knew so how can we expect the same mental development 
mac i'm glad to say is not of the extreme type he would doubtless be beaten in the shows but he is a better dog for all that the older type used to be more common here but has gradually been driven out by the show type which began to be taken up about eighteen eighty the scotch are great people for dog stories and a good many of their tales are about collies bob son of battle was an old-fashioned collie many of the anecdotes that are told as true stories deal with the breed's wonderful sagacity in caring for sheep there was the attic shepherd's famous collie sirrah for example he could undoubtedly do amazing things with sheep one night something scared the lambs and they started off for the hills dividing into three groups the shepherd called his dog and his assistant and started out in the hope of rounding up at least one of the groups before morning but the night was dark and the hills a wilderness and the two men were at last forced to give up the attempt until daylight at dawn when they started out again what was their astonishment to see sirrah coming in with the lost lambs not one group only but the whole flock how he managed to get one group after the other no one could ever say but between midnight and dawn he rounded them all up alone and not one was missing this herding instinct is very strong in the collie i once met a modern collie in des moines iowa who because he had no sheep to attend to busied himself with the chickens and he would never consider his day's work finished until he had carefully herded all the rhode island reds into one corner of the poultry yard and all the plymouth rocks into another cases are on record of collies that were taught to steal for their masters by systematically driving off sheep from neighboring flocks many stories deal with the collie's intelligence in fetching help to a man or animal in danger one collie brought in a flock of half-frozen hens one by one that had strayed away from the barnyard and got caught in a blizzard he carried them tenderly in his mouth depositing them in a row before the open fire another collie brought home a strayed horse by the bridle shepherd collies are wonderful with the sheep but the so-called house collie is often more generally wise and adaptable hector a son of sirrah was such a dog and his master a mr hogg of ettrick has told many amusing stories about him he was always getting into mischief and mr hogg's mother vowed he would never go visiting with her for as she put it he was always fighting with the other dogs singing music or breeding some uproar or other but with all that he was so intelligent and seemed to understand so many things in advance that she used to say i think the beast is no canny his master's father was one of the church elders of the place and at one time accepted the post of precentor he knew only one tune well st paul's and this he used to give out twice each sunday to save the congregation from too great a dose of st paul's the son agreed to relieve him of his duties but here hector accustomed to his master's company on sundays objected he would follow him to church and when he heard his master's voice inside he would raise his in the churchyard much to the amusement of the shepherds and the country lassies sometimes said mr hogg there would be only the two of us joining in the hymn the result was that he was forced to resign and the church was obliged to carry on as best it could with the old precentor and st paul's hector exhibited strange motives and peculiar logic sometimes he was jealous of the house cat and hated her but he never touched her or threatened to do her any harm he merely kept a suspicious eye on her pointing her as a setter points a bird 
he used to join in family prayers and just before the final amen he would leap to his feet and dash madly about barking loudly it was easy to understand how he knew when the amen was approaching but why the excitement that followed i found out by accident wrote mr hogg as we were kneeling there he thought we were all pointing pussy and he wanted to be the first at the death next we come to rover's breed old english sheepdog is its official name but i think it might better be called the bobtailed sheepdog to distinguish it from the original smooth sheepdog of england in many respects it is quite unlike any other breed that comes from england he was formerly used by english drovers as a cattle dog but we know little of his history the bobtail is the hairiest of the large dogs and one of the most striking of all breeds in appearance some of the puppies are born tailless while others have their tails removed within a few days after birth the bobtail is an active swift intelligent dog and as you know if you've watched rover very playful and very expressive with his paws having no tail to wag he wags his whole hind quarters to let you know he is pleased or friendly the german shepherd dog has had a remarkable boom since its introduction here in nineteen twelve it is an old breed in germany and its appearance strongly suggests wolf blood in its ancestry originally a shepherd's dog and still used as such this breed has shown itself remarkably adaptable to police dog work and has been used in the war more than any other breed the german shepherd dog is not as gently affectionate as some breeds but is intelligent active alert brave and loyal i think i should also speak of the belgian sheepdog partly because we are all interested in belgium these days and partly because we have begun to get a few of these dogs over here they are said to be even cleverer police dogs than the germans a few have been successfully used over here by police departments of new york and vicinity and a few fanciers have become interested in the grunendale variety and have exhibited specimens in the westminster show what do police dogs do inquired herbie pearson i have never seen them at work on the other side said mr hartshorn but i understand they are a recognized part of the police service in many cities of france austria belgium holland and germany they are said to do wonderful things such as rounding up gangs of thieves trailing criminals and saving drowning persons including would-be suicides in this country their usefulness has been rather the prevention of crime i have visited the dog squad in the flatbush section of brooklyn there they are muzzled and are not expected to attack people they are taken out at night with the patrolmen and scout around in backyards and anywhere that a burglar or hold-up man might be lurking the criminals don't like that idea and they have kept away from that section pretty consistently i believe these dogs have also found persons freezing in the snow Airedales have been tried out as well as Belgian and German shepherd dogs. For trailing criminals and finding lost persons, the bloodhound is most commonly used in this country, but I believe some rather remarkable feats of trailing have been accomplished by Belgian sheepdogs in Inglewood and Ridgewood, New Jersey. They are used mostly as ambulance dogs in the war, aren't they? asked Harry Barton. Yes, said Mr. Hartshorn, you have probably seen pictures of them bringing in a wounded man's helmet to guide the stretcher-bearers to where he lies. They are also used as messengers and for sentry duty in the listening post, where they are much quicker than the men to detect the approach of a raiding party or an enemy patrol. I could tell you some interesting and thrilling stories that I've heard about these war dogs, but I for one am getting sleepy, and I'd like to try out that balsam bed and see if I like it.
there was a little less skylarking that night out of respect to the honoured visitor and so every one got a good rest and was up betimes in the morning after breakfast mr hartshorn asked to be shown about the country near the camp and everybody joined in the expedition including the dogs i suppose these dogs are all pretty well acquainted with one another now said mr hartshorn but i must say it is wonderful how well they all get along together it all shows the power of human companionship kennel dogs like mine couldn't stand this sort of thing for an hour it must be that rags and rover keep them all good-natured sunday passed quietly and pleasantly and then came another evening campfire some of the boys begged mr hartshorn to tell them about more breeds of dogs but he laughingly refused sometimes i'll tell you about the hound and greyhound families but not now you've had enough said he besides i came here to loaf not to teach a class let's have one of alfred's stories i'm afraid i've told them all said alfred i've tried to think of more but i guess there aren't any we've all told our stock of stories said horace you're the only one with a fresh supply i guess it's up to you mr hartshorn the trouble is said he i'm no storyteller but i'll read you something if you'd like to hear it i have quite a library of dog literature both fact and fiction and i've tried to collect every good thing that has been written about dogs i selected two stories that are fairly short and brought them along thinking there might develop a need for entertainment of that kind would you like to hear them a shout of unanimous approval went up two of the boys ran to mr hartshorn's car for the books and another brought a lighted lantern and placed it on a box at his elbow then they grouped themselves about the fire again and listened with absorbed attention while he read them two of the best short dog stories in his collection the bar sinister by richard harding davis and stickeen by john muir my aren't those fine exclaimed ernest whipple haven't you any more begged elliot garfield no said mr hartshorn i'm sorry to say i haven't any more with me but i shall be glad to lend my books to any of you boys who will promise to return them they are very precious i'd like nothing better than to introduce you to the dogs of literature they're a great lot then he proceeded to tell them something of the best known of these books bob son of battle weeda's a dog of flanders jack london's stories and a number of others but i think he concluded that the one i like best of all is the true story of a little sky terrier named greyfriars bobby one of the most faithful dogs that ever lived oh please tell us about him begged frank stoddard no said mr hartshorn i would only spoil the story you must read the book for yourselves it will give you something to do next winter when you can't go camping out and i can promise you a rare treat the next morning mr hartshorn was obliged to leave and every one was up bright and early to see him off he thanked them all for one of the jolliest weekends he had ever spent and promised to invite them to a campfire of reminiscence at willowdale some time then he got into his car and started the motor i presume he had never taken part in so boisterous a departure the rough woods road was difficult enough to drive in at best and the boys and dogs crowded about the car shouting and barking their farewells in spite of all alfred and horace could do some of the more venturesome jumped upon the running boards and rode a little way while the dogs catching the spirit of excitement dashed about in front and everywhere 
alfred and horace rushed in to quiet the confusion but before they could get the boys and dogs in hand a sharp yelp of pain sounded and poor old rags lay a helpless pathetic figure in the wheel rut behind the car no one knew in the confusion just how it had happened mr hartshorn had been driving as slowly and carefully as he could under difficulties a moment before rags had been barking riotously and leaping at the hand of his master who stood perched precariously on the running-board now he lay mute and motionless all the joy gone out of him his eyes raised in dumb pleading to his master's face a sudden hush fell over the noisy crowd even the dogs seemed to know that something dreadful had happened mr hartshorn stopped his car and leaped out jimmy rogers was kneeling on the ground beside his beloved dog his face very white and rags was feebly trying to lick his master's hand jimmy did not weep or cry out but when mr hartshorn came up there was a pleading look in the eyes he lifted to the man's face which was much like the look in the eyes of the dog jimmy did not ask any questions he only moved over a little while mr hartshorn leaned over and tenderly felt of poor rags's broken body i must have gone square over him with both wheels said he poor little rags i wouldn't have done it old boy if i'd seen you you know that don't you the dog's forgiving tongue gave him his answer mr hartshorn did not scold the boys but they all knew they had been to blame and no amount of scolding could have made them feel any more remorseful they stood about in silent shame and dread the irrepressible mr o'brien trotted up to see what it was all about sniffed at rags and then walked slowly away raising questioning eyes to his master's face when mr hartshorn arose he was winking very hard and biting his lip is he much hurt sir asked horace i'm afraid so said he we must get him away at once jump into the car jimmy and come along with me he made a soft bed of the otter robe on the floor of the car lifted rags tenderly in his arms and laid him on it watch him and keep him as comfortable as possible he directed jimmy that was all that was said and the car started off again leaving grief and woe at camp breeches mr hartshorn lost no time in getting back to boytown though he was careful not to subject the suffering dog to the pain of rough riding at boytown he jumped out and telegraphed to bridgeport to command the attendance of the best veterinary surgeon in the state then they sped on to willowdale they took rags out to the little building that was used as a dog hospital and made him as comfortable as they could mrs hartshorn herself brought him a dish of water which he lapped gratefully he bore his pain heroically but he was suffering terribly and tom poultice thought best to administer a merciful opiate then he made a thorough examination there's ribs broke he said and i guess he's er internal then there's nothing we can do asked mr hartshorn tom shook his head sorrowfully after a while the effects of the drug wore off and rags opened his eyes tom put his hand on the dog's heart and shook his head dubiously i'm afraid he's going sir said he mr hartshorn placed his arm around jimmy's heaving shoulders and drew him toward the dog who seemed to be begging for one last caress of his master's hand mrs hartshorn put her handkerchief to her eyes and hurried out the surgeon arrived soon after noon but it was too late rags had died in jimmy's arms End of chapter thirteen